So, welcome to the Anthesis podcast. Uh, my name is Dean Sanders. I'm the founder and the chairman of Good Brand, a company which became part of the Anthesis Group in 2019. And I'm going to be hosting today's podcast, which is on the subject of designing sustainable packaging solutions. And I'm going to be joined by Debbie Hitchin, who's the director of sustainable products, circularity and chemistry at Anthesis. And also an external guest, Mike Webster, who's the director of 3D structure and experience at a global brand design agency called 1HQ. And what we really want to do is get into the subject of how we can help our client partners develop better design solutions in packaging, which integrate the science of sustainability and the measurement of impact, but also uh, retain creativity and imagination. And so we've got the experts with us. And without further ado, I'm going to hand over to each of them. And I might just ask them if I could just to introduce themselves a little bit so you can get a sense of their careers and their, and their journey and their experience. So, Debbie, if I may start with you, could you just introduce a little bit the work that you've been doing and what led you to be part of Anthesis and the work you do today? Yes, thank you, Dean. Um, so I joined Anthesis about five years ago from a company called LRS Consultancy, which was a fairly small, fairly niche London-based organisation that really just looked at circular economy, waste and recycling. And really my background um, spans over 20 years of experience now uh, across the whole supply chain for sustainable materials. But particularly since about the late 1990s, I've been working more and more in packaging and sustainable packaging material choices. And in the last couple of years, thanks to David Attenborough and the Blue Planet Effect, I found a large amount of additional work has come our way from companies and clients who are trying to address their sustainable packaging initiatives and are looking for advice and support to understand what sustainability means for them in the context of their supply chain, their business and their customer base. I think it's fascinating. I absolutely love working in this space and I'm particularly excited to have had the opportunity to meet Mike and to start working with 1HQ because I feel that they, with their expertise, bring an opportunity to activate the change for clients. So where we can do lots of technical and scientific research around life cycle analysis for materials and circularity metrics, it's really exciting to have the opportunity to work with an organization that can take some of those ideas into new packaging designs, new packaging systems, and start that process of creating something on shelf that meets the sustainability criteria for current modern day demands. Great. Great. Thanks, Debbie. Um, so, Mike, over to you. Maybe could you just share a bit more about your background and, and the work that you do at 1HQ? Yes, of course. Thanks, Dean. Um, yeah, well, I'm an industrial designer, so I've been working within the industrial design space for, for the last 20 years. And initially, it was mainly much more consumer product or industrial design features. I've designed hospital beds and, and baby cups and mobile phones, things like that. But probably over the last 10, 12, 13 years, um, I've had much more of a focus around packaging design in particular. And that's what we do at 1HQ. The core of what we design is, is packaging. And of course, today, that packaging absolutely has to be uh, sustainable. Um, we just can't carry on developing and designing products that are going to affect the earth in a negative way. So that's a real core focus. And that's what the team is very passionate about. And that's really why the, you know, the coupling up with Anthesis and, of course, working with Debbie is so fantastic for us is because 
you know, we're creatives. We, we're always thinking about how we can make things better. You know, that's what we really want to do. We want to, you know, we want to create things that are going to offer better experiences, that are going to do better, better things. But we also need to understand what the impact of what we create is. What we don't want to do is, is create something that could actually be worse for the environment. And so working with Debbie and Anthesis, we're able to really understand how the impact can be measured. And that really helps steer us and gives us the confidence that when we do develop and refine towards production, we're doing the right thing. Mm, yeah, that sounds uh, it sounds really interesting and really important. As listening to both of you, obviously, you know, you can really sense that there is a one-on-one equals at least three here in terms of uh, you know an integrated solution that addresses lots of the challenges that our clients might be facing. So it really is a sort of joint venture partnership. Um, how, how did it come about? I mean, first of all, maybe Debbie. I'm just interested, you know, for you to sort of build a bit further on your earlier comments. You know, what what was the challenge that maybe you were hearing from from clients or the sort of un, unmet need that that, that you felt uh, needed a sort of a new response and needed a joint venture of this of this kind. Well, over recent years, I think there's been a lot more interest in sustainable packaging. It's coming initially from consumers, but there is an equal push from uh, charitable organisations, not-for-profit organisations, and indeed there's a regulatory or policy framework in many countries now, and, and certainly that's growing on a global basis. So there are lots of drivers that are pushing organisations to think much more carefully about the substrates that they use or the uh, types of packaging materials or the types of products that they're putting onto the marketplace. I think the challenge that we heard most frequently was around what really is sustainability. When it comes to packaging, there are so many different complex parts of this jigsaw puzzle that many of our clients were struggling to understand how to prioritize it, particularly, I think, when there was such a a sudden interest in plastics about three or four years ago, um, where plastics previously had been considered to be really good for certain preservation properties and you know protecting the product um, in its supply chain and and beyond into the consumer's home and suddenly there was a big question mark over actually whether that was the right thing and we find customers or found customers at the time became somewhat confused about what they should be doing if they were going to eliminate these problematic plastics or, or, or eliminate plastic altogether from their portfolio because that doesn't just mean that you need to find a substitution, an alternative. In many cases, that means that actually you've got to kind of go back to the drawing board and look at the end-to-end system that you are using for your product or your packaging and see whether there is an alternative way of doing things. And this plays out really nicely in in examples like reusables um, or refillables. And this is where I think coming together with an organization like 1HQ, working with people like Mike, helps our clients to be able to visualize what a refill or reusable system could actually look like for them in reality and how that might not just address sustainability issues, maybe by reducing plastic in their portfolio or reducing the weight of the packaging they use or indeed meeting a target around um, increase of of reusability or refill. But also it, it has other benefits. So it it can help with things like customer loyalty and customer retention when you're using refill programs. So 
I think it helps them to see those opportunities, but also to take them in the context of their own business or their own consumer group. And this is where finding a partnership with somebody who can help them to visualize that end-to-end system and to see what that would look like for them in the context of their business operations is so useful. Yeah, and I get that. And I think particularly that that last point around the fact that refillability, if I can use that word, can drive loyalty, sort of kind of re-anchors this also in the consumer experience. And Maybe, Mike, just in terms of, you know, get your perspective on what you're hearing from your from your client partners and some of the big brand owners about that customer experience. Uh, and, you know, does it does it echo what Debbie's been saying in terms of the effects of the Attenborough uh, investigation of plastic? You know, is it consumer concern? What's driving that from, um, from the point of view of your clients? Well, I think, I mean, as, as Debbie said, I think the problem is, is that there's a lot of confusion. You know, consumers are confused, um, but clients are confused as well. Um, you know, there isn't one solution that fits all. And actually, different clients have different requirements and therefore different ambitions for what they can achieve. I mean, you know, if you compare a food brand with a personal care brand, I mean, what sustainability means will differ. So I think it's really important that we're able to help clients really understand from the offset what does sustainability mean to them? What what would sustainability be? Um, so again, that's 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 what Debbie and, and Thesis can really help us with, um, because that's something that when we share ideas with clients, it's sometimes difficult to to judge. Well, is this a better solution than this one? Um, in terms of consumer experience, I mean, I again as a designer, I I just I always want to create something that's better. So. Uh, something that I've found with packaging over the years, and it's been fantastic to see the shift. When I first started work, started working in packaging, it was very much packaging was there to protect and distribute the product inside. Um, so some of my very early work was was starting to bring, you know, brand experience into that. You know, making something a bit more memorable and enjoyable. Um, and so now when we think about sustainability, you know, as, as Debbie said, because we, we sometimes have to start from the beginning again, well, this provides a fantastic opportunity to actually reframe what that consumer experience is. So if we talk about reusability, I mean, it can't just be a pack that can be reused. It, it has to offer more to incentivize the consumer to want to actually reuse it. Um, there has to be something better in it. So I'm I sort of starting to see sustainability as this foundation for innovation where we can shift packaging away from being something that's fairly functional and, and, and something that people don't necessarily engage with that much to being something that can be as engaging and emotionally driving as a consumer product would be. Um, and that for me is, is you know, what I would like to, to try and do over the coming years is, is, is really elevate that packaging experience to something where people value the packaging and don't just see it as something that's disposable and we can just can just be chucked away without any thought. Yes, and I suppose that's the thing. I mean, I think that the sort of recent um, focus, uh, media focus on plastics in particular, has sort of presented the public with a with a great big problem and probably a sort of sense of guilt, and that's never a great thing in terms of a kind of consumer relationship. And, and how how do we um, how do we flip that into being a a positive behavioural change? Because I think a lot 
you know, a lot of what we talk about in sustainability is the need for behavioral changes at national, international, or family or individual level. And what role do you both think that um, redesigning and reimagining packaging solutions, what role can that play in actually helping consumers to change their behavior towards more and more sustainable impact? Maybe I could just um, build, you may, Mike, you could just sort of build a little bit on your earlier point around innovation. Um, how, how do you see packaging driving sustainable behavior change? Well, I think that's that's the key. That's where the experience comes in. I mean, I think you know, there's been a lot of sustainable packaging design over the over the recent years, which has revolved around materials. And there's been lots of fantastic innovation around new material substrates. But I think the problem is, is that if the behavior remains the same, which is to just chuck things away and not really care about where that piece of packaging ends up, then rather than having plastic bottles, but you know, in the sea, we'll we'll have you know bottles made from other materials in the sea. I mean, I recently, I, in fact, I saw a photo with lots of um, face masks floating in the sea. So, so that's the the, the key thing here is that as much as material is incredibly important, and obviously it plays an, an important role in terms of carbon footprint when we think about sustainability. It's not just plastic waste. It's the carbon footprint and, and the other key measures around it. We do need to to drive that that change in behaviour. And, and and as I said, that for me is about people valuing packaging much more or making packaging something that's much easier to to dispose of if we have to, but to do something with the disposal of it where they don't have to think twice. It's very clear and obvious what they need to do with it because again it's that confusion. Yeah, I'd like to come back and ask you both in a moment what you look at out there currently in the industry as perhaps some examples of practice and where we should all be heading. But before I do, just from your perspective, Debbie, um, on this on this issue of behaviour change, maybe examples that you've seen in your work or, or how important do you think packaging is in facilitating real behaviour change? Well, I mean, I'm a bit of an optimist and I um, was encouraged earlier this year when I read a, a survey that had been undertaken by a packaging company that suggested that nearly 60% of consumers that they'd surveyed would be less likely to buy packaging that was in a polluting wrapper um, and that over half of them said they actively looked at the information that was provided on pack to decide what they should do with it at end of life um, when they were making the purchase. So. I think that's quite a significant indicator of change because I think when I started my career 20 years ago, apart from the fact that there was no information on PAC, I don't think consumers really paid that much attention. As, as Mike has said, I think it really was a, a linear, you know, use and dispose kind of model. So I'm encouraged by, by those signs, but I do think that it has to go hand in hand with other aspects that will make that easy for the consumer to be able to know what to do with it at end of life and to behave in that way. So there's a great behaviour change model, which is sometimes called the six E's, uh, which I know DEFRA has, has used a lot in the past. And that model really talks about other things that need to go alongside the information. And, and that is, you know, enablers effectively to help the consumer have 
access to the right recycling facilities, um, you know, to see it happening in practice, so to have it sort of emanated by uh, peers and others in their neighbourhood and so on. So for me, behaviour change is actually quite a complex structure of different things. And I believe that packaging can play a key part of it. And I think that there's an increasing awareness amongst producers of packaging about trying to create a sort of harmonious approach to communicating through labeling and messaging that consumers will understand. And I do think that that will go a long way. But uh, this is also tied up for me with a with an understanding of what consumers can put in their household collections and, and maybe trying to make those collections more similar to what are available in on-the-go scenarios or office scenarios or schools. Because once we get that um, commonality, we take another step closer to helping customers to understand what to do. Yes, no, I fully get that. I mean, and I suppose just coming back to the point I, I made earlier, I'm intrigued because with, with, there's a lot of talk here about uh, things that we could be doing and should be doing um, without getting into the sort of naming and blaming or naming and shaming sort of dynamic. Could you call out either at a category level or maybe some individual brands that, you, that you've been looking at um, where you see some interesting developments and things that sort of point us towards the, the future of sustainable packaging that we all want. Mike, any, anything that you, that you have been working on that you think is uh, worth sort of signaling as a, an interesting development? Well, if I, if I may use an example of something we've done at 1HQ, we, we, do, uh, we work a lot with Unilever. And, and within Unilever, there's a, there's a grand ambition actually to truly take on the sustainability challenge. We do a lot of work with SIF, and recently we designed a bottle uh, that was for the e-commerce channel, so specifically for Amazon. But we created a new bottle that goes with their refill pods. So SIF has developed a, um, some refill pods that contain concentrates, and the idea is that rather than just buying a cleaning product like a spray and you would use it once and chuck everything in the bin, uh, and there's a lot of plastic in there, you buy a refill pod that you can screw in, you take off the trigger, you screw into the into the bottle, and it dispenses uh, a concentrate, and you just add the water, and you just put the trigger back on, and you can reuse the trigger. But of course, it's still quite strange for, for, for consumers to get their heads around the fact that they're using the same bottle that sort of feels slightly disposable. So what we did for the e-commerce channel is we created a bottle for life. And here we looked at you know, making it feel more precious, to give much more pride in, in what it does and the experience that it offers and the fact that it could even be left out because it would look rather beautiful. You know, and of course, that is in the case for many people. They don't have space to store things, so it's a consideration. So this was an example where we're trying to shift the behavior. We're trying to get people to reuse a product that is typically disposed of after a single use. And it's a step in the right direction. You know, I think that's another thing to consider here is that when we talk about behavior change, we can't change behaviors overnight. We have to do it through a series of coordinated thought through steps that helps that behavior shift over those steps. So that's a good example, I think, of something that, that we've done recently. But there's lots of good examples out there, I think, around reusable systems. I think there's also some nice examples from a you know on the go mentality where you you know reusability works within a home or an office environment where you have a fixed abode, but when you're out on on the go, it's obviously more difficult to reuse. Um, but I like what Evian are doing 
Um, you know, they've just released a bottle that doesn't have a label on it. So, you know, again, it's taking those small steps to at least reduce the impact, even if we can't change everything in the first instance. Yeah, no, those are good examples. I like really the practicality and the sort of, you know, usability at the, in the consumer household, which in picking that SIP example. Debbie, anything that you've seen that you think is uh, heralds a sort of new new uh, uh, approach by companies or categories to some of these issues? I think there's a lot of really exciting work going on in this at the moment, actually. The thing that's possibly leading some of that is the number of organisations over the last couple of years who've created or signed up to commitments and targets. A good example of this is the 400-odd participants in the Ellen MacArthur Foundation New Plastics Economy Commitments. And within those commitments, those organisations are making specific commitments to eliminate certain types of materials or packaging that can't be recycled or are hard or problematic to deal with at end of life, to include recycled content, which is a great example of something which will create a circular economy, which we all agree is a great way to solve the plastic leakage or or product leakage problems that we're experiencing at the moment by effectively giving a demand to that material as a secondary raw material. So I think there's there's lots of stuff going on around that, but I think those things that we see perhaps most visibly are the initiatives around recycling. And, you know, there are some great examples of companies, uh, mostly the ones that I would think of that come to mind are FMCG, food and beverage, for example. And I think, you know, there are, there are lots of things that businesses are doing that aren't necessarily being publicly talked about. So I would encourage organisations who are doing interesting and innovative change to their packaging to be open about it and to talk about it and to share that experience because all the evidence is that actually consumers are looking for us as the industry to take the lead in this area and it saddens me that I often come across organizations where there are some great examples of innovation that haven't been upheld as case studies for sustainability when I think that there are you know there's lots of appetite from people to see that sort of um, move towards more sustainable packaging. Yeah I think that's a great point I mean there are so many different rankings and ratings on so many impact areas in sustainability but some sort of award system maybe or opportunity for sustainable innovation in packaging could be a really great way of recognizing some of that work and uh, encouraging best practice and so maybe just to sort of Bring this a little bit to a conclusion, a wrap-up. A couple of things that interest me. I suppose the, the, the first thing is, given how much is happening in this space, what is it that makes Infinite unique? You know, what, 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 what is this new partnership between 1HQ and Anthesis coming together? What, what are we able to bring to this that is, um, that is different to, um, to others? And what excites you about the uniqueness of this offer? Uh, maybe Debbie, you could you know, build on some of your earlier uh, earlier points, but just to kind of really bring this home to us in terms of what we're able to do now. Yeah, I think the thing that's really exciting about this is the opportunity to bring the science and the robust decision-making tools that Anthesis has been working on for so long, together with something that actually allows a business or organisation to see that in real terms as a, as a new line of packaging for their own specific marketplace, their own SKUs and products. And I think that that, for me, is what sort of takes sustainability to the next level. So we've been working as Anthesis for a long time on helping clients to understand the impact of a choice of material or a particular packaging system on 
GHG emissions or carbon or climate change or circularity, you know, whether it's recyclable at end of life and so on. Um, but to then be able to move that to a conversation where you can create a whole new customer experience or a whole new um, opportunity for on-shelf or brand, which is based on the vision of, of a sustainable scientifically evidenced approach, I think is what is so exciting. And when Mike and I first started talking about this um, infinite venture, we looked into the marketplace to see how many other organizations had the experience and the um, gravitas that Anthesis has around that sort of science and evidence-based approach, combined with the creativity and the skills and experience to be able to move it to the next stage and activate new packaging. And actually, we found that globally, we would be in a, a very small pool if we were able to come together and, and effect this partnership. So what I think is really interesting about this is that I don't see much other opportunity for organizations to get this end-to-end -end joined up approach from two organizations with the depth of experience that we've both got. Great. Mike, any additional thoughts from you on the sort of uniqueness of this, particularly in your universe, where I guess you're, you're pitching against other design agencies and consultancies all the time for, you know, for consumer cut through and, uh, and all the other things that um, the brand owners need in addition to the sustainability topic. How's that resonating with, with uh, people that you're talking to or, or how do you see the uniqueness of this offer? I mean, I think there's two things for me. I mean, I think the first thing, which is just perhaps in response to how we can work together is, you know, design, you know, it's a creative output, but it needs to be framed, it needs to be contextualized. And sometimes, you know, clients, you know, sort of think that as designers, we need to have, you know, lots of space to think and be creative. But actually, to be really effective, we need to have guide rails. That's going to really inform and help focus our creativity. So we're actually putting it in the places where it matters. So again, that's that's that lovely thing about working with, with our thesis is that you can provide us those those guide rails within which to work and to be creative. I think another thing, though, that I'd like to say is it's it's also what we can provide the client. The way we work is is entwined, and we're bouncing off each other. So what the client will get working with us is a process that is completely fused together, that is building off each other, that is inspiring each other, so that when Anthesis will come back with something, we're able to build upon that. In real time so it means that we can ultimately get more robust solutions that have been properly thought through from the different perspectives but we can also work quicker because we're no longer working in a linear process where somebody does one thing and then somebody else does another and it has to follow each other we can actually be working together and we get there quicker so i think that's the final thing i wanted to mention there yeah, that makes that makes great sense because I was actually going to come on to talk a bit about about the process, but maybe then just as a as a final uh, concluding uh, comment, really from each of you is um, Infinite is out there. You're starting to speak with clients or per prospective partners on this work, um, without mentioning any names, of course. Uh, what sort of resonance is this is this already starting to get mike maybe uh you could talk first that and then debbie your thoughts um well i think i think the resonance is, is, is grounded in what we've already said um they're excited by the fact that the the rigor that thesis offers is going to be brought to life through our creativity so they're going to be able to 
to really see and understand it's, it's all going to become tangible to them. That's what clients, I think, are looking for, is they want some tangibility to a lot of the, um, shall we say, um, theory and science that thesis are bringing. So, so the initial reactions from, from these clients has been very positive. Yeah, I would say the same. So um, we have been working with a fairly long list of clients over the last couple of years, actually, to look at options for packaging change that will go towards the delivery of specific goals around recyclability or carbon reduction or um, inclusion of recycled content and so on. And as part of that exercise, when we help a client write a strategy, we look at what those different options might be and we hypothetically then model different scenarios to see how close we get to closing the gap between today's packaging portfolio and the packaging portfolio of the future that will meet their goals. What I think our clients are now super excited about is this opportunity to say, right, now we know what good looks like. We can see what we need to do from this modeling exercise. Let's go work with the Anthesis um, trusted partnership and start to create some of those solutions and test those within our own business or within our um, commercial retail customer base or, or even with the consumer focus groups. And so for them to be able to say, well, it's gone from a, a, an idea in a strategy that was modeled and looked like it was going to close the gap to something that I can physically share with stakeholders who are going to be part of the future of that packaging innovation, I think is, has been met with just enormous enthusiasm by our customers. Um, and then building on that, Debbie, I think the other thing is it's, it's the ability to see how brands could own the innovation as well. Because of course, everybody's trying to find these, these wonderful solutions, but brands also want to be able to differentiate themselves in the marketplace as well. So I think that's another area that we can bring in that, that differentiation and ownability. Yes, that's really important in terms of just kind of establishing brands' leadership uh, ambitions and delivery in, in competitive markets. I think most of our clients are operating in, and particularly brands that have got to differentiate versus perhaps retailer brand offers as well. So it's an important point, Mike. Um, look, I think we're about out of time, unfortunately. I think the clue is in the name infinite. We could go on and on here, and uh, sure we will. I, I think we should have another follow-up conversation to check in and see how this new platform is uh, developing. And here again from you, Debbie, and from you, Mike, thank you both for, for being part of this discussion. And if anyone out there listening uh, has got any questions or additional comments, please reach out, get in touch. I'm sure Debbie and Mike would just love to hear from you. So thank you all very much. Thank you.